0: Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book Workshop. In this episode, Recovered Alcoholics break down the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous line by line. Find out more at ladiesbigbook.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning, you guys. Um, I, first of all, wanted to introduce myself. My name is Tina. I'm a grateful, recovered alcoholic. Uh, My day of grace is January fifth, two thousand thirteen. Um, uh, this book right here is 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 a, like a recipe book, right? So if you were to um, go to the store and and be lucky to find a a cake mix and you wanted to make a cake, right? You would you would follow the recipe. You want your cake to look like what's 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 on the on the cover, and so um, so that's what we do. This book is is a guide for us um, on on how to follow these steps to get a spiritual awakening. Let's go ahead and open to the cover page um, right here. You'll see, I got a bunch of notes on it. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism um, right there. The very first sentence is a, is a promise, right? The word recovered. And I have a note in here. It says recovered. We are not in a hopeless state of mind and body. Um, man, that, that is so powerful. I also have a little diagram of alcoholism in, in my book. Um, this is something that my sponsor had me write down when we, were, we first met. Um, and I don't know if anybody has this, but I'll break it down. Um, at the very top of it, it says alcohol. Um, and so then ahead of that word, I wrote the word untreated. Um, and then behind alcohol, I wrote ism, ISM. So alcoholism and then untreated alcoholism. That's my problem. I am, I come here with the, and needing this book because I am, I have untreated alcoholism um, because we know now that alcohol is a disease and it's legit disease. It's not that it's um, you know, we come here with so much shame and, and guilt and, and, and it's a disease. And what I really to know that I just have a mind and body problem. But, and so she had me write a column on the left. And on the very top of that column, the heading of it is mind. So if you don't have that written down, I would write um, mind on that one side. And so under my mind, I've got an obsession. I, my mind is obsessed. I cannot stop drinking, thinking about, about alcohol. I mean, literally, I always say when,
2: when I would meet
1: somebody, I would be able to, to uh, profile them within 10 seconds. I would be able to say, um, are you going to judge me? Are you a drinker? How long are you going to drink? How much are you going to drink? If you're not a drinker, how long am I going to be able to hang out with you so that I can keep doing my thing? And so I'm obsessed. Right. Um, and then obsession leads me to the first drink. Um, and under that I have written loss of choice. I don't have a choice um, to drink because my mind is always going to tell me that drinking is the answer, right? It, it's, it's, and jumping ahead a little bit and jumping around a little bit. Um, it's like the jaywalker. Um, how many times you got to jump in front of a bus before you realize it, that it hurts. My mind leads me every time. Right. Um, and then on the other side, I have the word body. Um, and, and underneath that is, is what we have come to know as um, an allergy. An allergy is a pheno- is, is the phenomenon of craving and um, an allergy is just an adverse reaction. So If I, I don't have any other allergies. And so I always, you know, will call on somebody in the room when I'm, when I'm in a group and say, who's got an allergy and what does it look like? But, you know, let's just use strawberries. Um, If you've got an an allergic reaction to strawberries, whatever that might be, you work out in hives or you, you know, get some respiratory issues, you can't control that. You can't control the reaction that your body's going to have to something that you're allergic to. And that's the same thing for us. So once I put any form of alcohol in my body, no matter what that looks like, right. Um, I'm, I have an allergic reaction and it's a phenomenon craving. And the craving is, is I need one equals two, two equals four, four equals six. Um, and, and, and it's so crazy. The first time that was explained to me, I was actually kind of pissed off. I'm like, why are people not talking about this? Because I can see um, I, I suddenly had a flashback to the shifts I had at the bar. I literally had shifts of friends at the bar all the time, um, bec- thinking that I was making a choice to hang out with all these people that I liked. I was either solving their problems or solving the world's problems, or I was making the choice to go because I liked to drink. And I didn't understand that, that the, this allergy was ruling my life. And so, um, the allergy creates a craving and, and as, as my sponsor always says, it's not like I'm sitting at the bar going, Oh, here comes a craving. You know, um, the craving is, is something that I can look back on, like I just said. And then from there, again, I have lost the control. Um, I have now lost the control. I mean, um, she, my sponsor used to say, you can take my head off and put it on, on right here on this desk. And, and because I don't, I literally have no control over the amount of, of booze I'm going to drink because the um, craving is in, is, is taken over. And then from there, I end up drunk um, every time. And I don't, and that was not a problem for me. I liked being drunk. It was my favorite place to be. Um, and so um, I was drinking all the time um, for years and it was not a problem. And if you didn't like the way I drank, then that was cool that I didn't need to, you were invited to leave or you could just, be gone, you know? Um, but then when you try to stop and they say, you know, if you know you've got an allergy, then don't just don't drink, right? Just don't, don't put it in your body. And that, by the way, you guys, also includes, um, medications. We are, we are um, responsible for anything that goes in our body. So, so that being said, if I know I've got an allergy to anything that's got alcohol in it, then don't put it in my body. Okay, cool. If I do that, then, um, just don't drink right? If you know you got a problem with alcohol and, and you've got a, a, a hopeless state of body, then just don't drink. But I know, um, after the short conversation I've had with my sponsor just on page one of this book, I haven't gotten fresh past page one, that I have a hopeless state of my mind. And that's where, um, after I heard the definition of alcoholism, I had to go test drive it. I had to go find out if I could really control it with this thing, because I now know as a recovered alcoholic that this thing, is actually pretty cool. I mean, I am able to achieve so much in my life because I put my program first, but back then I thought, I, I, I always tell everybody that I, um, she, you know, as, as it says in the book, she qualified me and I was definitely an alcoholic and I got back to my car and I opened the door and there was that red solo cup with vodka in it. I was like, Hmm. Yeah. It was calling my name. Right. And I didn't realize it was the obsession. It was the obsession that was saying, Mm, that lady's crazy. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And so I was like, I'm going to show her, I'm going to show her um, that I can just not drink and, and let's go see, let's go see if this is real. Um, And thank God for that. Because I'll tell you one of the things that I um, know to be true about my program is that I know without a shadow of doubt that I'm an alcoholic. Um, I did everything in my, my, um, in my will and my power to try to drink until I just absolutely couldn't. So um so that's it that's the diagram and that's um all right so um so then we obviously have the table of contents uh, I I I love that the um chapters that are in the first 164 pages the 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 uh, titles of them I mean obviously we have bills the doctor's opinion which is huge for us um because we that's really what put us on the map as far as diagnosing our illness. Um, Bill Story, who um, we're all friends of Bill, and thank God for Bill. Um, There is a solution. So if you, you know, like me, if you were out bouncing around still and you hadn't made it back into the rooms, knowing that there's a whole chapter on there is a solution is super powerful. Um, The chapter called More About Alcoholism is, I would say, is my favorite chapter because we're knuckleheads and um and it takes us a long time to really get to know our truth and to be comfortable in our own skin knowing um that i'm an alcoholic and not only am i an alcoholic but i'm pretty proud of it because um it's given me a life that i never thought i would have um but the reality of it is is i got to know in my heart i got to know through my experience that i'm an alcoholic and so more about alcoholism are the stories that 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 keep hammering home the examples and the ideas and the and the and the things that that I can cling to that getting, that that got me here. Um, we agnostics. A lot of people come in, come into the rooms with a lot of bias and a lot of. Um, I mean, we're all raised around religion, and we're all raised around some form of God or spirituality or or whatever. And and the reality is, I don't have to um, worry about any of that. And so that, that chapter is for the folks who get here and and have something to grind about. I didn't, um, I always knew that there was a God because I, because I made it here. Um, and even if I, if I'm pissed at him, it means I actually know there is one. So, um, that chapter is super, super valuable. And it's, and even if you don't have a problem with it, it's important that you know, it's in that chapter. So when you're sponsoring and you get a lady who does have some issues with this, with the topic, you know, what's in the book and you can walk her through it and 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 guide her through that process um how it works obviously is the you know, backbone of our program and for some reason y'all i would get literally emotional when i talk about this stuff um into action um this is not a thinking program thank god um because <laughs> i got this thing up here that i already know that i've got a hopeless state of mind and body and um and and this is something i definitely tell most the women i work with um you know, call me when, the th- when, the, when it's eating your lunch, but for the most part, get your butt in action. Working with others, a whole chapter on working with others. And, um, and after I got through, this, got through the steps and started um, getting more deep into the book, I realized that my sponsor took me through the program just like it says in working with others. I mean, it's almost textbook, right? I get here. She tells me the, the definition. She qualifies me. Um, she tells me a little bit about herself. And then, um, I tell her about what, about my story and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then she starts, she makes an adequate pre- presentation of what, you know, of what her life looks like. And then, then from there, it's, it's up to the other person what they do with it. And so, um, working with others is, is huge for us. And then to, to wives, um, man, that's that's a whole chapter on, on, giving our family some, some relief, right. And some insights and some, and compassion. Um, and, and then the family afterwards, cause this is not, this is a family illness. Right. And so they need, they, they need their own, they, everybody deserves. I mean, we were drunk. Right. So we didn't have to, um, to really remember or really feel a whole lot. Um, but they, they, they weren't. And, um, so anyways, family support meeting Wednesdays at six 30 at Maggie's. If you haven't been there, I highly recommend it. I'm a huge family support advocate because it has made uh, all the difference in my life. Um, and then to employers, um, we burn a lot of, a lot of bridges with people that trust us um, to work for their companies. Um, they're paying us money to, to show up and do a good job. And we haven't been doing that, but also we find out after we've been through the program that, um, our places of employment are become solid um, so- solid um, place for us to be examples of this program and so through my employer, I've actually had an opportunity now to help um, other people and to um, talk about my 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 issues and and what must, what my life looks like now and to be of service and so and then a vision for you, which of course um, is amazing because a vision for you is actually what I feel like is a part of this meeting now, um, and having everybody on here and us being able to, to find a cozy place on Sunday morning on our phones and be a part of a meeting. And I'm super grateful. So. Uh,
0: Hi, my name is Catherine. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Once you get through the table of contents in this really powerful title page, where it talks about being a recovered alcoholic, and I went through a treatment center that was a, a wonderful place, and I'm really glad I got to go there. There was a lot of talk about what life would be like as an as a alcoholic. After I got out, as a sober alcoholic, but not a lot of t- talk about what it was like to be a recovered alcoholic. And life as a sober alcoholic, I knew wouldn't work. I would drink because I felt like I would still want to drink and that I would have to fight against the urge to drink. To stay sober, um, and that so long as I wanted to drink, I was gonna drink. The difference with a recovered alcoholic was that they were sober and they were happy about it because they didn't really want to drink, and it was they were just free from that problem. And um, the minute somebody was saying that they didn't want to drink was the minute I started paying attention. And they talked about being a recovered alcoholic, which I hadn't heard before and being recovered from something. Like if you get this crazy, whatever it is, that's going around. If you're recovered from it, you're healed. You're healthy. We don't know if you can get it again or not, but let's say you can. What do you do to not get it? You wash your hands, you use your hand sanitizer, you stay away from sick people. I don't want to get alcoholism again. So I do what's in the book. Uh, and that's it. I like it sounds crazy, but it really is that simple. I call myself a recovered alcoholic, not out of arrogance, because I didn't do it, but out of offering hope to other people. Because um, when I heard that, everything changed. So they talked about this book, which I was kind of like I had read a little bit of, and I wasn't real buying it because um, some old dude wrote it. I wasn't real sure about that, but then when I understood more about it, that it was like 75, 80 years old and that um, 100 people wrote it and that they wrote it out of their experience and it made a big difference. So I'm going to read a little bit out of this stuff. Because Tina and I talked about doing a little bit of setting up in history before we got into the book. Um, But it says in the preface, and I'm on page XI, This is the fourth edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. The first edition appeared in April 1939, and in the following 16 years, more than 300,000 copies went into circulation. They had a lot of trouble publishing this book, and they published it because they came upon a solution for alcohol that worked, and they wanted so badly for other people to have it because there was nothing else at the time that worked, not like this. So they were pretty jazzed, and they wanted to put it down in a book because every time they talked to different people, as it got passed along, it changed. They had a hard time publishing it. It was expensive. They went into debt. Like, they didn't have any money. And it was really scary. Uh, The second edition published in 1935, reached a total of more than, and I'm paraphrasing, a million copies. The third edition, which came off the press in 1976, achieved a circulation of almost 20 20 million copies. Um, I mean, it's one of the best-selling books of all time. Um, This next paragraph, because this book has become the basic text for our society and has helped such large numbers of alcoholic men and women to recovery, there exists strong sentiment against any radical changes being made in it. So it calls it a textbook, like um, something I would study in school. I needed a sponsor or not just a sponsor, but I had the guys over at the 2-4. I had a guy come into my sober living every week explaining this to me. I had tapes to listen to. I had other women to listen to to explain this book to me. I had my home group to study the book. And if I didn't have all of those things, I wouldn't understand it. And that's crazy. It's like the, the first thing that I have to tell sponsees is, your job is to help alcoholics and study the book. There's so much in here to mine. It, I don't know if you'll, you'll ever be a master of it. It seems like every time you read it, there's something new in there to find. Um, it says it's helped a lot of men and women to recovery. So there's strong sentiment against any radical changes being made in it. So they, they haven't really changed the book. Uh, it says, therefore, the first portion of this volume, so the first portion is the first 164 pages. My book, I've cut out a lot of the um, stories in the back. Most of the stories in the back in the fourth edition have been added more recently, and they may reflect the experience of people in AA today more than the experience of people in AA In the 30s and I kind of want to get closer to the more pure experience of AA as they they did it in the beginning because they had such great results um, and they really stuck to this book. Um, It says the the first portion of this volume describing the AA recovery program. So the first portion of this volume, the first hundred and sixty four pages contains the AA recovery program. That's a big deal. Um, Recovery program of AA is in the book. Um, It's in the first portion of the volume. So if you have worked the steps, but you haven't done it out of the book, you haven't done the recovery program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm pretty hard nosed about that because I'll, I'll end up with sponsees who are like, I've done the steps, I've done the steps, I've done the steps. And I'm like, but you're not sober so what did you do did you do the steps from the title page to page 164 following the instructions in the book page by page and the answer you know not always but sometimes it's no sometimes it's yes but if it's no you didn't do the recovery program you did something else which isn't to say that it's nothing it's not worthless the steps and and the instructions in here are powerful and worthwhile for a lot of people, even in different forms. What's in here was designed for alcoholics like me, who are hopeless and chronic and are going to die from the disease. So for me to recover from alcoholism, I've got to do what's in the book. It says it's been largely left untouched, uh, which is true. It says that... um, The section called The Doctor's Opinion has been kept intact just as it was originally written in 1939 by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth our society's great medical benefactor. Um, The Doctor's Opinion addresses the body portion of alcoholism. Uh, Alcohol has not changed since this was written. Neither has AA. Neither has alcoholism. Alcoholism is the exact same now now as it was then. Um, The second edition added the appendices the 12 traditions and the directions for getting in touch with AA. The traditions are important to help keep our groups intact. If we don't have groups, then we don't have a place for newcomers to bring their problems. Um, The chief change was in the section of the personal stories, which is explained to reflect the fellowship's growth. Bill's story, Dr. Bob's Nightmare, and one other personal history from the first edition were retained intact. Three were edited, and one of these was retitled. New versions of two stories were written with new titles. 30 completely new stories were added and the story section was divided into three parts under the same headings used now. Um, It goes through all of the different things um, that changed. It says all of the changes over the years in the big book um, had the same purpose, to represent the current membership of Alcoholics Anonymous more accurately, thereby to reach more alcoholics. If you have a drinking problem, we hope that you may pause in reading one of the 42 personal stories and think, yes, that happened to me, or more important, yes, I felt like that, or most important, yes, I believe this program can work for me too. So it's not about just doing one thing or another thing. It's about the whole program. Um, On the next page, it's the forward to the first edition, and i will see if I can nail this one before we end. It's going to be great um uh, in this it says this is the foreword as it appeared in the first printing of the first edition in 1939 it says we have alcoholics anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered so there's that word again recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body so right there it tells me exactly what the problem of alcoholism is it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body not A hopeless state. It just seems hopeless and it calls it mind and body because alcoholism is a twofold disease. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. So precisely I wrote down in my book, the definition of it's exactly adhering rigidly to rule. Um, And then it says have recovered, not just stayed sober, but recovered and recover is in the big book 70 times. Um, it says for them we hope these pages will so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. So I have it like a twelve and twelve, and I got a bunch of other AA books, but really all I need is this book. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand alcoholics. Uh, they give us our experiences. They gave us their experiences, not their opinions. I love having opinions about things I have no experience with. But they know a lot about this because they experienced it. Similarly, if you think a bunch of stuff about the steps, but you haven't experienced it, all you have is an opinion. No experience. And um, they gave us their experience of what worked and what didn't work. It says it'll help everyone better understand. They won't understand. Non-alcoholics will never understand. And honestly, like my family and loved ones, it is not their obligation to understand. I made my alcoholism their problem for so long that for some of them, the best gift I give them is that they don't have to think about it. Uh, Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. I really thought I was a bad person, but, which I kind of was. I was also really ill. With an illness, I can't just will myself into getting better. And I can't do that with alcoholism either. And besides, we're sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. Now, like if I get sober, it helps everybody, especially like the people on the street, because I have a car now. But also there are 200 fellowships that use the steps out of this book. One of the things that I find like on the phone meetings that I've done And one of the things that you find at our home group is that there are people who come to those just to study this book from different fellowships, like Overeaters Anonymous, um, Sex Addicts Anonymous, uh, Cocaine Anonymous uses this book, Drug Addicts Anonymous uses this book. I think Crystal Meth Anonymous uses this book. Uh, So yeah, it's pretty great.
3: Um, okay, so moving on from last week, it's important that we remain anonymous because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals, which may result from this publication. Being mostly business and professional folks, we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. We would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an advocate, So uh, here they're asking for anonymity because... Um, This was before the traditions and before anonymity became important for a number of other reasons, but because they could not have helped people in the sense of like, they were like, well, we would have had too many people asking us to help personally. And our alcoholic work is something we have to do in addition to my job. It's a job I have in addition to my job that I do. Actually, one of the definitions is that I do it for enjoyment, which I thought was pretty cool. When writing or speaking publicly or about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowships to admit his personal name designated to himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so that tradition dates to 1939. Uh, very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request for otherwise we shall be greatly handicapped. Uh, very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request or that. We are not an organization in the conventional sense, the word. There are no fees or dues whatsoever. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. Like I said earlier, to recover, you're actually going to have to do something. We are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination, nor do we oppose anyone. Um, AA is not a religious organization. We are an organization that works with solution on the spiritual plane, and that's it. Um, We also have no opinion on outside issues, and that includes things like medication. Um, It says, we simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. We shall be interested to hear from those who are getting results from this book, particularly from those who have commenced work with other alcoholics. We should like to be helpful to such cases. The goal of this book was to send it out, help other alcoholics be recovered, and then have those alcoholics help other alcoholics. Period. That was it. It was to create this guide, this exponential movement of spreading infection of recovered alcoholics. Um, Inquiry by scientific, medical, and religious societies are welcome. Okay. Forward to the second edition um so figures given in the forward describe the fellowship as it was in 1955 so they wrote the book in 19 they published it in 1939 it was exceptionally difficult to publish they went into a lot of debt over it and they didn't think it would go anywhere and it did it was a big surprise um since the original forward in this book was written in 1939 a wholesale miracle has taken place our earliest Printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. Already continues the early text, twos and threes and fives have sprung up in other communities. Sixteen years have elapsed from between our first training of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered. That's pretty crazy. 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Roots are to be found in each of the United States and all of the provinces of Canada. AA has flourishing communities in the British Isles the Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America, Mexico, Alaska, Australia, and Hawaii. All told, promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries and U.S. possessions. Some are just now taking shape in Asia. Most of our friends encourage us by saying this is just this is but a beginning; only the augury of a much larger future. Um, the spark that was declared in the first A-acre's was struck at Akron, Ohio, in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker that would be Bill W. and an Akron physician, physician Dr. Bob. Six months earlier, the broker Bill had been relieved of his reading session by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford group at that day, So, Bill, who had been unable to get sober, who had, who had tried, like, going to the Oxford group, studying about spirituality, um, found a solution after he had met with a, a recovered alcoholic. And then he worked a version of the steps and had a spiritual experience that changed his whole life. He had also been helped, greatly helped by the late Dr. William B. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism, who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members, whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned of the grave nature of alcoholism. Um, Dr. Silkworth explained to Bill that alcoholism is a disease of the body, an allergy of the body, that means he has no control over how much he drinks. And an obsession of the mind that means he's going to drink even when he doesn't want to. But that knowledge wasn't enough to keep him sober. And um, Dr. Silkworth treated 40 or 50,000 alcoholics in his life. So he had, he had a lot of expertise in the matter. Um, but that wasn't enough. That gave him a foundation to accept and, and do the work that was necessary to become a recovered alcoholic. So, and it, and it was critical and something that informs a lot of our step work now. So when we go out to help alcoholics, that's why, why we talk about step one before we talk about anything else. Um, so we could not accept all of the tenants of the Oxford group because they wanted things like absolute purity, absolute love, absolute unselfishness. Absolute odyssey and alcoholics are not real good at being absolutely anything other than drunk. Um, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory that's step four and five, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harms that's eight and nine, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of the belief and the dependence upon God that's um, two, three, ten, 11, and 12. Prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could keep an alcohol could help an alcoholic. But he had succeeded only in keeping sober himself. Um, yeah, he had like been pulling people off of bar stools and stuff, and being like, "Hey, let me tell you about God," which didn't really work. I mean, if you can imagine somebody doing that to you when you were drunk, you would be like, "Seriously?" He succeeded only in keeping sober himself, which is something that. Um, Dr. Silkworth and Lois pointed out, the broker had gone to Akron on a business venture, which had collapsed, leaving, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. That alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician, that's Dr. Dahl. The physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but he had failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's prescription of alcoholism and his Hopelessness, when you understand the problem, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. he sober never to drink again up until the moment of his death in 1950. Okay, so here's the sentence of the killer that I didn't notice for a long time. It says, This see and if you guys have a pen, you need to underline this one because it's really big. Um, This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, that step 12, one alcoholic with another, was vital. Something that's vital is something that's necessary to life. To permanent recovery. Y'all. They just said you can have permanent recovery. I want you to sit on that for like two seconds. I'm going to count. One Mississippi, two Mississippi.
4: Okay. Permanent recovery. What? Okay. They never talked about that at rehab.
3: I know. Okay. Kids to two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the Akron City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became Akron number three. Now, I think they nicknamed Akron number three the guinea pig because they experimented so much with him and had him try so many different versions of what ended up being the steps, but I could be wrong about it. Um, he never had another drink. This work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. There were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success. When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1939, the first group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. So just FYI, while his wife was working at a department store, Bill stayed in Akron, Ohio for three to four months, not working, helping alcoholics so that he wouldn't get drunk and die. And I always like to point that out because I know when I got sober, my first thought was like, I need a job, I need a job, I need a job. And I did need a job and I did need to pay my bills and all of that stuff. But not as much as I needed to go be of service, work my steps and be useful to other alcoholics. That needed to come second, no matter what. And as long as I did that, God would take care of the rest. Um, Okay, it says the uh, second small group promptly took shape at New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of the third at Cleveland. So just a little history for you. The um, AA group at Akron, which was much more like real hardcore about the God stuff, had a sobriety rate of about 100%. And that um, AA group in New York, which was a little more agnostic, atheist-friendly, had a little bit of a lower sobriety Um Besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who had picked up the basic ideas in Akron in New York who were trying to form groups in other cities. By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them were sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholics. It was now time the struggling groups thought um, to place their experience, their message, and unique experiences before the world. And that's what this book is. The determination bore fruit in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. Their membership then reached about 100 men and women. The fledgling society was, was like 99 men and one woman they were not so sure about, and the woman wouldn't take no for an answer, by the way, not frighteningly, um, which had been nameless, now began to be called Alcoholics Anonymous in the title of its own book. The flying, bo- flying period ended in AA inter- of its pioneering time. When the appearance of a new book, a great deal of things began to happen. Dr. Henry, Harry Emerson Fosdick, the note of clergymen reviewed it with approval. In the fall of 1939, Fulton Outler, then editor of Liberty, printed a piece in his magazine called Alcoholics and God." This brought a rush of 800 printed inquiries into the Little New York office, which meanwhile had been established. Each in inquiry was painstakingly answered, pamphlets, and books had sent out. Businessmen traveling out of existing groups were referred to those prospective newcomers. New groups started up, and it was found to be the astonishment of everyone that AA's message could be transmitted by, in the mail as well as word of mouth. By the end of 1939, it was estimated that 800 alcoholics were on the way to recovery. Actually, I'm going to have to hand it over
4: to Donna. Donna, are you ready?
2: Um, hi everybody. Um, so, just some thoughts as she was reading, because um, for me my personally, the the Fords, when we're doing the big book study, or sometimes it's, you know, it's the, a drier part of the book, and also I, I sometimes have some a hard time relating. But what I'm hearing so much right now, um, and speaking to me so much, is that this is just telling us, is giving us a. A plan of precisely what we need to do to get recovered and stay recovered um and i'm just trying to put things in perspective of what's going on right now and you know this part that she read vital to permanent recovery is working with another alcoholic and i think all of us are experiencing or at least i'm going to speak to my experience experiencing this kind of crazy isolation that we're going through right now um but what is sticking out to me so much right now is how Vital it is vital and I I put not optional in my book to stay recovered is to stay connected so um, It's just great when you read parts of the book um, at different times and in different experiences what you take out of it Um, So i'll keep going um cat I think I was following along but um, Our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period the test that it faced was this, could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? Would there be quarrels over membership, leadership, and money? Would there be strivings for power and prestige? Would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Soon AA was beset with these very problems on every side and in every group. But out of this frightening and first disrupting experience, the conviction grew that AA's had to hang together or die separately. We had come to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. Um, And I have that whole paragraph kind of um, circled as the unity part of Alcoholics Anonymous. As we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. It was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society that our leaders might serve but never govern, that each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. There were to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met with our own voluntary contributions. There was to be the least possible organization, even in our service centers. Our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films, and in no circumstances should we give endorsements make alliances or enter public controversies. So there we have um, all of the traditions that came to be sort of highlighted in our traditions, which um, even today um, I feel like are so important in what we do um, that AA is free and available to all. Um, and here we are today online um, supporting each other in the traditions um, that we have in our groups um, and we're able to take all of that with us even here in this type of a forum so I'm pretty grateful for that. Um, This is the substance of AA's 12 traditions which are stated in, in full on page 561 of this book. Though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held at Cleveland. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. And I think that, I don't know how many of you are part of organizations, churches, um, schools. Um, It's pretty hard that govern um, an organization for all all of these years, one that doesn't necessarily have a leader or, or someone in charge and I think it's pretty phenomenal how we are able to function as a society across the world um, with these written rules that, I mean, there's no penalty for breaking them. There's no um, fines uh, for not doing what you're supposed to, but it's just a group um, consciousness <laughs> that holds us together um, because we know that that it works. Um, So uh, I'll continue on. While the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. For this, there there were two principal reasons, the large numbers of recoveries and reunited homes. These made their impressions everywhere. Of all alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. Other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. But great numbers of these, about two of two out of three, began to return as time passed. Um, and another beauty of, of the program is that um, it's open to all. Um, there's no fees to join. People come in and out. Um, and some find the solution right away and, and, and continue it. For others, it, it takes it takes time, but they're they're returning to a program that is the same. Um, you don't leave and come back to something that's completely different or that has changed. Um, you know what you're gonna get. And so I think that's what makes the beauty of returning. If, if you either relapsed or you decided that it wasn't for you and then it is, you come back to something because you know what it is. Um, it hasn't changed. Uh, the steps are still the same. The traditions are still the same. Um, and I think that's an amazing part of this program and why it's sustained for all of these years. And I saw an article the other day, and I don't know if some of you, have, maybe it was up on the Maggie's Facebook page about a study that just showed um, some of how Alcoholics Anonymous was um because it's hard to get numbers, right? We don't really know truly um, because it's an anonymous program, you know, what the real statistics are. We can only just guess and assume and so much of it is anecdotal, but I think it was in USA Today and say it was a, an actual study um, about how Alcoholics Anonymous has um, really made a difference over treatment of, or over many different kinds of treatments that are out there. Um, I might post that if I find it again, because I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, Because so many times it's just stories we tell, um, but there was a little bit of science behind this one. Another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press, together with innumerable, innumerable others who became able and persistent advocates. Without such support, AA could have made only the slowest progress. Some of the recommendations of AA's early medical and religious friends will be found further on in this book. Alcoholics Anonymous sorry, Anonymous, is not a religious organization, neither does AA take any particular medical point of view, though we cooperate widely with the men of medicine as well as with the men of religion. Um, and I think for so many people, this is um, such an important part of the program, because although spirituality is pretty much the center point or the cornerstone of our program religion is not um, and medicine is not Um, we accept and um, encourage anyone from any religious or spiritual background to participate so as long as you share the malady and the powerlessness over alcohol you are welcome here um i will continue Alcohol being no respecter of persons, we are an accurate cross-section of America. And in just as dis- distant lands, the same democratic evening of process is now going on. By personal religious affiliation, we include Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Hindus, and a sprinkling of Muslims and Buddhists. More than 15% of us are women. And I think that um, as time has gone on, we can see that it, it is not it, Alcoholics Anonymous is It it shows our whole society as a whole. Now we we cover everything, I think, (laughs) not just the specific ones they listed there. At present, our membership is pyramiding at the rate of about 20% a year. So far, upon upon the total problem of several million actual and potential alcoholics in the world, we have made only a scratch. In all probability, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the alcohol problem and its ramifications. Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. Um, so, yeah, that because you're not because Alcoholics Anonymous does not promote itself, we have always just relied upon um, attraction. Um, and I think, that what it's saying here is that over time, population of alcoholics and will only grow um, because of the success stories. Um, And I think over here, I read what, I forget what the wording was, putting families and people back together.
3: I know you covered a little bit about on page XX, like between 1935 and 1955 on page XX, it talks about there being a 75% or more success rates in Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, those numbers that they they pulled were really solid. I mean, they they really did keep track of, of things like that. The only thing that that I would know is I've been to a lot of AA meetings,
4: and I there have been a, there have been very few where I've heard the message that it, it's in this book. Very, very few. Um, and
3: that's just been my experience. And And this is the book that got me sober. And I think it's the book that got a lot of you sober. And I'm so glad it's around. And if I, if I hadn't heard this, I'd, I'd be part of the ones who never stayed sober. Do you have anything you wanna to add to that?
2: This crazy situation we're all in, but this program has given us tools to get through it. Um, So, I I mean, not only are we lucky to be alcoholics, and I feel that way all the time, but um, we also have these steps that help us live a spiritual connected life and get involved, do what you can in these times we have all these meetings available online. So thank you for letting me talk and be with you guys today.
0: Thank you for listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book Workshop. This recording is not associated with any AA group or AA world services. Find out more at ladiesbigbook.com.